Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girls with Dogs. We're sorry that we missed you last week. We took a little bit of break, but we're here today. And I am Kimberly, the blogger behind Keep the Tail Wagging, and I'm here with my dear, dear friend, Kathy, the blogger behind Groovy Golden Doodles. What's up, Kathy? Oh, man, listen, um, so much I don't even know where to begin, but, you know, I'm going to I'm going to dive right in. I did get a verbal comment. Did you get a written one? Um, I think so. Okay. So I got a verbal one from actually somebody in the community that said, hey, I just want you to know that I enjoy listening to your podcast. And I thought, well, this is kind of unique to be in your own neighborhood and have somebody say that. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, you and Kimberly have never, ever, ever really met. And I said, well, we met, but we've never had an opportunity to hang out. Um, I said, but it's a very unique relationship that I don't think is easy to describe or define. It's almost like God puts people, events, and circumstances in your path for a reason. And that came true this past week. So I just wanted to go ahead and say that one of the things we don't talk about in Girls with Dogs, and this is a topic we can get into at a later date, but dogs give us a lot. But I never thought about the beautiful gift that they gave us by giving each other this relationship. Because had it not been for Harley and Leo and Blue and Scout and Zoe and Rodrigo and Sydney um, and Jax, there would be no Kimberly and Kathy. But it's very interesting because it made me focus this week on you. And I remember that you went into your dark hole um, the a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, how I never wanted you to go, well, no pun intended, but go black on me. <laughs> um, because I told you all you have to do is text and say pray. Yeah. So I had some things go on this week. And I should have done the same thing for you. And then I noticed the difference, not the difference in our personalities, which makes the relationship so sacred. Because I look to you in a leadership and a mentoring capacity in so many aspects. But then I also protect you as if you're this this really... Um, fragile <laughs> type of person or, or, or object that's Aww. frail and can't handle. So what can't you handle? Um, which is why I had to go through this week without you. And what I felt you couldn't handle was this fear that something was terribly wrong with Harley. Mm. And it started with Tuesday. I worked a little later. So when I got home, I did not ask Lee, nor did he share with me that he had already fed the dogs. And when I got in the house, they acted like they normally act. And you know, when Harley's ready to eat, he's ready to eat. So I fed them. So they had two huge meals like Thanksgiving, um, like an hour apart. I waited purposely to take them out before they would go to the bathroom. And um, everything was fine Tuesday night. Wednesday, they ate breakfast. Wednesday night, Harley was laying down and his legs were, you know, out in the back like a frog. Um, 
Lee came and got me about 11 o'clock and he said, Kathy, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong with Harley. And I said, what? And he said he was trying to get up and he couldn't get up with his legs out because of his age and the joints and the what we've been talking about with Winpro. Yeah. And he pooped all over himself oh. and it was all over. So I carried him outside. It was like 1130. I bathed him in the dark in my nightgown, gave my neighbors a real porn show that they didn't want. <laughs> and um, Lee cleaned the inside. And, um, you know, I, I tried not to think about why or how that could have happened. And Thursday, I um, fed them. I gave him a little rice. Thursday night when I walked him, he pooped a little bit. But then I got up at about three o'clock Friday morning and I didn't see Harley and Harley and Jax don't ever leave me. They don't ever um, wander. Harley will go downstairs if he has to go to the bathroom. And it was the most gut wrenching thing to go down in the kitchen. And I could see from the light coming from outside. Here he was in that same position in the middle of the kitchen, just laying in poop. And his expression was, oh, God, Kimberly, it broke my heart. His expression was one of, um, you know, what took you so long? Mm -hmm. So we went back out for another poncho in the yard. And um, Friday, I couldn't function. And I, I must have tried to dial your phone. I don't know how many times. And I said, nope, because she's not going to handle this. This is not good for her. You have to do this and fix this and find out what happened, you know, what to do. So I was sitting in the car in the garage trying to get myself together because I'm getting ready to go to work and be around dogs. And I didn't want that. Um, and I called Dr. Craig and I said, be honest, I, I need to know, is this the beginning of the end? What's happening? You know, is, is my dog now incontinent? We need to talk about this. We talk about senior dogs, but there's a new level to senior dogs. So um, in her own style and way, you know, she walked through what was happening. And I felt a little bit better. And you got this look like, tell me, tell me. Um, apparently, and I can't say this word correctly, apparently with this degeneration of the muscles and the joints in the back legs, when he was in that position, because he already, he came downstairs to kind of do that pacing back and forth Thursday night to let me know I needed to let him out. In that pacing, he must have slipped because we didn't have the grippers on. And um, the same muscles that he would use, those lower sphincter muscles, oh, okay. he get up. If you have the bubblies and loose stool, that's the same muscle you use to go to the bathroom, hence mm. the poop all over the place. Okay. So um, we now, so I, I ended up coming home at noon Friday. I could not stay away. I had to come home and um, I asked Lee to put his grippers on before we went to, um, you know, when they came back from their walk. So this is Saturday afternoon. He's got his grippers on. He's fine. I picked up a holistic probiotic from, the vet to sprinkle over their food. He's on chicken and rice right now to kind of work that gut um, mm -hmm. back to where it needs to be. Um, could have very easily been the residuals of two huge meals 
Mm -hmm. um, Tuesday night back to back. But I tell you all of that to say that it was very interesting because I wanted to call you Friday. I said, no, I'm going to save this um, for the podcast because I want to talk about in detail, maybe next week, the relationships that dogs bless us with, not only just because of, you know, other people with dogs, but true, real human relationships. And if anybody has that kind of relationship, go ahead and let us know on Facebook. Love to get you to come on and and talk about yours, because that's when I realized we are bookends that kind of balance all of the stuff of our lives in between. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. But I found it to be so comical that (laughs) I could not tell you this because it was almost like she can be my ace in the hole, my ride and die for a lot of stuff, but she's not built <laughs> to watch dogs in a movie. She's not built for this kind of stuff until I can get to the end. So translation, he doesn't, I do, there's no urination. I don't think Harley is um, making his reservation to, you know, cross the rainbow bridge, which is what I was um, fearful because I wasn't ready for that. I just think that um, we have to wear our booties all the time Mm -hmm. um, in the house. And um, I'm going to look into some acupuncture for him um, to look at how we can try to work and strengthen those back muscles. Yeah. But all of that had a lot to do with not only protecting you and being there for you and knowing you're there for me, but it is why I wanted to have our next guest on the show because Dr. Carson Kaki Lancal is a therapy animal volunteer with her dog, but she's also a veterinarian for many, many decades. Um, her specialty is canine oncology. Mm-hmm. And when I started talking about the people that I know who have had issues with canine cancer, I talked a lot about you and a lot about my other friend and how difficult it is to find the vet, the oncology vet that's going to understand this collaboration that needs to take place between you, them, and being a combined force for the dog. Mm -hmm. And so after we talked about that and she was saying, you know, she, Um, concurs. And that was always her specialty. That's where her heart is. I said, well, you know, I want you on the show because I want to have you help us Mm -hmm. um, be able to help other people who are struggling with having their dogs um, diagnosed with cancer center. And so I want to center the rest of this show, if you don't mind, having you share your story with your two dogs And get her to help not only you, but me, because this doesn't necessarily have to be about cancer. This past week, thinking that Harley was taking this descend into leaving me was very, very frightening. I didn't know if this was what was happening and it was happening all so fast. Um, Let's find out how veterinarians think 
that might help us be able to know the right words to say and how to approach and just say to a, a, a canine oncologist or any kind of specialist, you know, um, these are the things that I need to know. This is what you have to help me with because then I can better help my dog. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you went through that. And my heart hurts for you because, you know, I know that feeling all too well. And, you know, I, last night, finally, I've been working on this blog post for a month. And last night I finally wrapped it up and published it to my Patreon about how I use the law of attraction to, um, to basically raise healthy dogs. And I won't go into it here because it's really long, but Ultimately, um, the reason why I wanted to write the blog post is because I think it's so very important to be positive, but it's so hard to be positive when you're scared and when you're worried and trying to balance those emotions with being positive and looking on the bright side. Because one thing that, you know, I know is I see how my dogs react to me. So if I'm in a dark place, if I'm in a bad mood, my dogs shy away from me. I mean, except for um, Zoe tries to crawl in my lap because she's trying to distract me from whatever is upsetting me. But um, I know that, you know, for instance, with Scout, if I was constantly afraid that I was going to lose him, same thing with Rodrigo, because he's 12 now, you know, they would take that on like something's wrong and they would have the stress of that along with if they're not feeling well and stuff, it just adds to their stress. And I definitely don't want to do that. Um, but you know, we're humans and we deal with things the way humans do and just trying to find a way to be strong. And I just, I have to say that, and, you know, um, Dr. Lankow is waiting to, to come on, but so I'll make this quick, but I have to say that I am so grateful for our oncologist because she listens to me and, um, I've, you know, I found an acupuncturist finally. And she is amazing as well. But, um, I, you know, the great news for scout is that, you know, he, he was stable for several months. So his lymph nodes weren't growing and they weren't shrinking. So they were, so that just means the, the, um, the cancer was just sort of sitting there wondering what the hell am I going to do now? And my oncologist was like, you know, that's fine. This is a win for us, Mm -hmm. but in his last appointment after, um, I think he's had scout has had two or I think three sessions of acupuncture, his lymph nodes are now going down. And um, I'm also making slight changes to his diet. Um, Again, too much information to go into here that is going to help him as well. And, and I think that it's just trying to get myself. And I, I, I feel like this is what you did is focusing on what can I do and taking in what's happening what, what am I seeing? So, you know, you want to be able to have all of that information that you can deliver it to the veterinarian, but also, you know, doing what you need it to do to get your dog into a comfortable place. And instead of just, you know, whenever I see a post, I get tagged in a lot of, you know, my dog has cancer posts. And whenever I see someone who's posting about how I've been up all night, crying all night, and I'm, I just want to reach out to the person and go knock it off right now. That's you, not gonna yeah, that's not going to help. You're making it worse. You, I know you don't mean to. I know you're hurting, but your dog is looking at you like, what the hell is going on? And you're adding a level of stress that's just not even necessary. So I am going to let Dr. Um, Lankow in. All right. 
Let her in, let her in. So this is going to be fun. I know. Gosh, I can hear my dogs outside going crazy. I don't know what they're hey, seeing. Hey, Kaki. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Howdy. Kaki, meet Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Hello. And hello. Already talked a little bit about how I got to know you. Um, and but now I'm gonna, it's always better to let you tell our re- our readers, Lord, um, to let you tell our listeners who you are from the perspective of what will make them feel as if um, you're now one of their their dear good friends. So tell us about you from the professional aspect, what you've done in the veterinarian world and um, just kind of do your own intro. Uh, Okay. Well, um, I have been in the veterinary field for Uh, Just about 30 years, I believe, I didn't take the traditional approach through college, so I did a little bit of college, and then I left the country, and I did a little bit of growing up, and then I came back to the country, and I went back to school in California and decided that animals were a passion, and so I received my, what we call, um, at that time, it was called an AHT, Animal Health Technician License. Uh, Now we call them LVTs, RVTs. It is, um, in essence, it is animal nursing. Um, We don't have a lot of hierarchy in the veterinary field. So when you are licensed and credentialed, you are allowed to do quite a bit more than just being someone who loves animals and works in a veterinary office. So in California, it was very important. So I got credentialed out there and didn't work out there very long. It was pretty much in emergency medicine. And then I moved to Maryland and worked in oncology specifically. And that's what I did until I moved to South Carolina, where I met my business partner and have been at the same practice for 26 years, uh, practicing in a small animal practice, general practice. So we are not a specialty clinic. We are your vet, the person you go to for everything. Um, Hopefully the person you trust to give you good advice and good recommendations. And really we're there from maybe as early as pre-birth, to that that end of life hospice, uh, you know, discussion and um, all the steps in between. And so that's kind of, that's how I got into the field and what we do. And I obviously have a huge passion for it or I still wouldn't be doing it after 30 years, but it is a complex and growing field and has changed considerably in the past 30 years. You know, before you, um, before we brought you on, I was explaining to those that will be listening um, and also um, connecting the dots with Kimberly, um, how we met through the therapy animal world. Um, Kimberly, you're such a television geek. Yes. (laughs) Um, Khaki's dog's name is Wallace the Kingslayer. Do you know what that's from? No. Kimberly, what? I have stumped you? Yes, you have stumped me. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Um, but in the process of talking to Kaki, um, when she talked about canine oncology being something that was so near and dear to her heart, I said, oh, man, we've got to have you on the show because, um, you know, Kimberly's gone through it with trying to find um, an oncologist that hears her. And I think just like with Melissa in the office, Kaki, um, so often um, no different than I would imagine human physicians and specialists, but sometimes you just don't feel as if you're being heard. And I think as a pet parent, it's even scarier because if I brought my child to a doctor, at least the doctor could look at the child and ask a couple of real basic generic questions to get answers on, you know, why it hurts and what it feels like. But the dog is relying 200% on us to be that advocate, to be that voice. And if you feel that that connection is not there and you're not being heard, it is gut-wrenching. So um, what I wanted to have Kimberly pretty much start asking the questions because she's got explode out in like all kinds of foreign languages. She's been excited about meeting and talking to you. But first, (laughs) please tell her where Wallace got her name from. Well, so Wallace has a combination name. Um, I don't believe that pugs are, they're beautiful to me, but they're not prissy. You know, they're very sturdy little dogs and I didn't want her to have too flowery a name. And so we were working through some names and I thought, well, I'll, maybe she looks like a Wallace. And so, um, (laughs) so I named her Wallace (laughs) <laughs> with an I, so W-A-L-L-I-S, which happens to be, um, in most cases, the female version of the male Wallace. And my husband is a real fan of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> and he really, he loved um, Jamie on Game of Thrones, who was known as the King Slayer because he killed the king. And it just so happens that Wallace, um, Wallace Simpson, who was the American divorcee who basically dethroned um, David so that we ended up with King George on the throne, who then gave birth to Queen Elizabeth, or he didn't, but ended up having Queen Elizabeth. Um, Wallace Simpson is the reason that that king is no longer on the throne. And so I did a little double entendre. And so her name is Wallace the Kingslayer. So he gets to have Kingslayer in it because he thinks that's so cool. And she really did end up killing at least the king part of, of him. So that's how she got her name. It's kind of weird. That is like such a story for a name. I have a dog. Such named- a story for a name. <laughs> One of my dogs is Rodrigo. And the reason why is because after watching the first city slickers, I thought it would be so cool to have a cow as a pet. And I was, I wanted, but I wanted a black and white cow and I planned on naming him Rodrigo. So when we saw a black and white puppy (laughs) um, and we were like, we want to adopt that puppy. And they're like, well, what is his name going to be? And Johan and I both said Rodrigo. (laughs) So that's really (laughs) fun. Oh, the things we do. All right, Kim, I'm going to turn this over to you. Go ahead and ask her in the next 25 minutes every question you can possibly think of. Okay, go. So um, I will just explain my history with cancer. I've had two dogs now, 
with cancer. One passed away in 2020. She was diagnosed with hemangiosarcoma. I it was one of those where um, I'm so grateful for the experience because I knew something was wrong. I kept taking her to the vet because I, I didn't know what it was. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And um, my vet is so wonderful because she was just sort of like, I believe you. And she ran tests and everything came back fine until it wasn't. And so she died five weeks after she was diagnosed. And it was, you know, a hell of a journey. Um, and then six months later, another dog was diagnosed with canine lymphoma. And I feel like Sydney went through what she went through to prepare me for Scout. And it's been a complete opposite experience because Scout is now 17 months post-diagnosis, mm-hmm. which is, you know, according to my oncologist, it's just not as common as she would like to see. She's very happy with his success, but it's not as common. Um, right. What I find, and I think the first question I have, and it only, it goes to, um, there's a, um, a content creator who's, you know, a canine oncologist, she creates content for YouTube. Um, and she, and I completely understand where she was coming from, but one thing that she said, she posted like a TikTok or something about p- patients or, you know, the humans doing their, our own homework and how it kind of interferes with what she does. But for me, I mean, I'm, I'm a blogger, I'm a content creator, I'm passionate. In fact, um, I, I, I'll just show you what I did recently. I found a local, we live in a small town, so I found a used bookstore. And this is, this is just what I can hold in my hand. So some of these I got from the bookstore, some of them I ordered online, but I have a cancer book, I have a um, acupressure book, I have Chinese medicine books, I have all kinds of things because I love learning. Um, but where is the line between a pet parent trying to just learn as much as we can about a diagnosis and then are us basically making it difficult for you to do your job? Okay. That's a really a great question. What I would say, and I, and I told this to Kathy the other day, it is very hard to be, um, in the position of the, the pet parent, what, you know, your pet's diagnosed with cancer. Um, it is, it is common. It has happened to me multiple times. Um, because I, I mean, we have clients who don't even realize that dogs and cats can get cancer and it is really lack of education and lack of really awareness of the general public that cancers affect really all mammals, (laughs) not just dogs, cats, and people, all all mammals. And we want you to be well-informed when we give a diagnosis, if it's a cancer diagnosis or if it's heart disease. But what we want is for you to trust us enough to ask the question, where can I get more information? There are so many misinformations out there written by um, dog food companies, written by anti-vaxxers, written written by anti, you know, pesticides. You know, there there isn't a fix. There's no one thing fixes canine cancer. So 
we fear that when our clients go out and we call it Dr. Google and they go on Dr. Google and then they come back and they've got the plan. Well, I'm, I've decided I'm going to switch. I'm going to go to a raw diet and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. These are all your prerogatives. You can do all of these things, but you may be interfering with a course of successful treatment. And so what I would say is if you're in the situation and your pet does get diagnosed with cancer, the first thing you should say to your general practitioner, who's likely the one diagnosing is, where would you send me to get more information on this type of cancer? So that when I either say yes and go to the oncologist or say no and decide to go a different route, I've really been informed correctly. And, and that I said, that would be my best recommendation. And if your vet is a great general practitioner, they're going to say, I'm so glad that you asked that because I want you to have the right information when you make this decision. Mm-hmm. I want to be here and partner with you to make the decision, but you're ultimately the one that's going to make it. So you need to know what's out there. And if they're good, they'll point you in the direction of evidence-based medicine. They'll give you alternative medicine if you're interested in that, and they will help you stay away from the misinformation that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It does make sense, especially because, you know, there's social media and people Mm -hmm. race to social media. I, you know, I'm a blogger and I I have, you know, written about what I've learned about my dog's um, cancer diagnosis, you know, and I now get messages from people every week who had, um, a cancer diagnosis. And the thing that's so heartbreaking to me is that they're talking to me and not talking to their veterinarian because although, and I, you know, and I get it, I, I have, you know, basically a miracle dog right now, and I'm grateful for it. And people are wondering, well, what did you do to get here? And to be perfectly honest, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much of it is his, he's just a healthy dog. I don't know how much of it is, you know, his background and what I did from the beginning. Cause I've had him since he was six weeks old. I I don't know. I can, you know, and a lot of people want to speculate, you know, one of the things like what you said is like the anti-vaxxers. And so people will say, you know, and which breaks my heart of, well, you vaccinate. So that's why your dog got cancer. You feed kibble. That's why your dog got cancer. You know, you fertilize or use weed killer. That's why your dog or your neighbor does. And that's why your dog got can't, there's just so many things. And I just, I can't let myself go there um, because I don't know. And I, and I just feel like it muddies the water. So I can appreciate, you know, the frustration I'm fortunate enough to have a um, oncologist that is my partner in this. And so, um, because I'm a raw feeder and she, you know, we talked about that and what her um, reservations were, and mm-hmm. we worked, went over that. Um, I gave her a list of the supplements. This was in the beginning that I was giving my dog. And she, right. we talked about which ones to take away. And now, um, I actually, he's being treated by two doctors. So his regular oncologist, but also, um, a holistic vet that practices Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. And what I love, and I didn't expect, it's not that I thought anything, I didn't know what to expect, but I did not expect this. They are just, they don't work together except for through me, but it's such a great relationship of, 
you know, this is, you know, cause I called my oncologist and said, yeah, we're doing acupuncture now. And she's like, great. How often are right. you doing it? And I, you know, and I explained what was going on and she updated his records to reflect that. And, and it's just kind of fun to just be able to have someone be willing to educate me, but also trust me, mm-hmm. you know, to, but uh, on the flip side, I'm also a blogger. So I feel like I have access to the correct information. So when you say, you know, like the, um, just the bad information that's out there. Can you give us an example of, of what that would be, what we would come across? Um, well, I, um, there, there's a lot of information out there. I, I think one of the most important things to know is that unlike in human medicine, um, there's no perfect way to report canine cancers. Mm-hmm. There is no um, collective canine cancer uh, study. There have been individual studies, uh, multiple different studies done about canine cancer, but it is not as simple as canine cancers on the rise. So it's obviously something that we're doing. Mm-hmm. It It is a combination of things. It It is more frequently diagnosed because we have better medicine and we're able to run the tests and we're even able to get the diagnosis so that then our patients can choose to go to an oncologist. Mm -hmm. This wasn't as much of a thing 20 years ago or 40 years ago or, you know, 60 years ago. It's, and if we were, I don't even know how we would do a collective study of all dogs. So for people to say, cause you can read different news reports that say one in, you know, one in 1.65 dogs going to get cancer this year. You know, last year is one in three dogs. So it's on the rise. These are numbers that are, I don't want to say they're being manufactured, but they're from limited information sources. So you're really not getting the data you need to back it up. It is likely that with the increase in diagnosis, it means we have an increase in the pet population, an increase in pets going to get veterinary care, Mm -hmm. going further and getting the diagnosis, which is digging deeper, and then getting it reported um, to the oncologist. So Caution when reading articles, looking for their source material. What's yeah. your source material? Because if it's if it's just simply, you know, someone's random opinion, it's that's not that's not reality. And we don't have the studies to back up any any hard and fast. Yes, it's risen. It's risen ten percent in the past two years. We don't have the studies that say that. Yeah. And well, and to be perfectly honest, it's, and I've learned this because um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine and I feel like I have confirmation bias when it comes to what I research online, because I already have a preconceived notion. And I usually just do the research to say to myself, see, you know, Mm -hmm. and to add a link to a blog post. And that's why I went and bought a bunch of books because I I come from a generation that we reread encyclopedias and, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have the internet. Um, 
But I also think that, you know, I'm not the only one that does that. So when people do research, they're researching to basically um, confirm what they already think. And, you know, so cancer diagnosis, you know, they could have gone up over the past two years because more of us were home and looking at our dogs Mm -hmm. and, you know, and like what you said, you know, more people are going to the vet. There is just so many things. We, our dogs live a different life than they did, you know, 40 years ago when I was a kid, dogs lived outside, right. You know, today dogs have their own bedroom. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a, just a different world. And there's, I, I find that it's, well, for me, at least it's pointless to, to stress about why, Right. I like to live in the moment and say, okay, so now I have a dog living with cancer. What does what he do need do? so I can support right. that? And, and I feel like that that is, you know, along with the the people that I work with, um, that's the reason why he's 17 months post-diagnosis. So when it comes to um, cancer, I, I always try to tell people that a cancer diagnosis isn't a death diagnosis. It's just a cancer diagnosis. Um, no, that's not a fair question. I don't want to put that out in the universe. Um, I was going to ask how many dogs die right away, but you know, people, twist I, well, I, it's just, it's really, again, it's like human medicine. I don't want to say there are good cancers to get and there are bad cancers to get, but there are cancers that are extremely treatable mm-hmm. and there are cancers that are extremely aggressive and not treatable. And when your vet gives you the diagnosis, it is, it is our job to be honest with you about the outcome. Now we can't say, oh, you have X number of years, or, you know, your dog has X number of years or X number of months. We can, we can help you stage it. And your oncologist can do the same thing, help you stage it, and then give you options if you want to go. Uh, you know, the traditional route and actually go see an oncologist and then marry in, you know, Eastern medicine, you know, you can, you can do both as long as it does no harm. And that's a conversation you want to make sure you're having with both of your, Mm -hmm. your parts of your team. Um, But I mean, it is, it is. So lymphoma is, is a very treatable type of canine cancer. Uh, there have been protocols for treating lymphoma for 45 years and they get better and better and better and better every year. And, you know, where we used to just try to put them in remission 30 years ago, now we've gotten to the point where, where we're, we're pushing for full cure. Yeah. Um, like in people. So but that's, that's how much we've grown. So we've gone from one common and treatable cancer where we were just helping you get the time you needed to process the information and put your pet into remission and have some happy times before it was over to let's see if we can't really, really, really get rid of the disease. Um, And then you've, you've got cancers that are 100% 100% curable where we can excise the cancer just like in human medicine and make sure we've got clean, you know, clean edges and that's it. And it, and it's gone. And then you have aggressive hemangiosarcomas, you know, they develop in the spleen or on the liver. You don't know it. It's slow. 
your pet just seems different, not as perky, not as interactive, not as strong. And it's sneaky. It's a sneaky one. And, um, and I've lost a dog to it. And, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent worth going after and worth treating. And sometimes you get there and sometimes you don't, um, you know, so I don't even remember the original question. <laughs> there was none, but that was exactly what I wanted. So, you yeah. know, when people, when you talk about like the, like, is there a book that has like, um, you know, I think of cars and how, when you go and have your car serviced, if you go, they say, don't go to the dealership because they just look at a book and says, well, it takes two hours to do an oil change. So that's what we're going to charge you for an oil change. Like, is there a book that has like the averages of, cause that's what it felt like. My, my oncologist was like with, we can do this and you'll get this much time with your dog or, you know, like we can do prednisone only, and this will give you a few months or we can right. try chemo and this can give you up to another year. Um, you know, and, but your dog could still come out of remission during chemo. You know, is this based on like personal experience or do you guys have like a common, like, this is what we all have are seeing. So that, that is evidence-based medicine. So when they are actually getting treatment based upon how we stage their particular cancer, um, we know we do have an idea of what to expect. Um, and I would imagine it's the same in people. I mean, if you get a really bad, you know, stage of, of pancreatic cancer, then, you know, your doctor talks to you about how long you might have based on any available options. When you get an early diagnosis with something like lymphoma, you have so many options as far as treating. And we have, in that case, a large population of dogs who have undergone the same type of therapies that there are studies on how well those protocols extend the lifespan of the dog. So yes, um, you know, golden retrievers are one of the most common breeds to get lymphoma. And so there are, they have specific breed studies once they're diagnosed with cancer for how long out on this protocol are we getting, you know, before we hit remission and then how long before they come out of remission. Um, Certainly doing chemo is going to provide you a different result than prednisone only. Um, Mm -hmm. And prednisone is, is a necessary drug and we use it for a multitude of different reasons. Typically, if it's a prednisone only decision with the owner, um, it's all about giving both the pets some comfort and giving our owner time to understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's, that's not, that's not going to actually do anything to fight the cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I found it just, I've, I'm grateful for the experience because I've learned so much. Um, so the new Laverdia drug, (laughs) have you, have you had an opportunity to diagnose it and, and have any experience with it? What was your experience? Um, Our experience was really very positive. Um, There are a couple of new drugs out there um, for treating different different types of canine cancers um, and more coming on the market. um, We have had in in our practice two patients 
um, on Laverdia and both respond extremely well. I mean, certainly we had side effects, which you would expect with any medication, um, but the side effects are really relatively common, uh, vomiting being a big one. Um, but we had both pets um, successfully finish the, the course of treatment and are maintaining at this point with regular visits to, to us since we're the ones that prescribed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was it, did you talk to your oncologist about? Laverdia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Laverdia. we, we try, you know, cause I'm that person. Um, so I knew about Laverdia and um, we actually talked, I think we might've even talked about it I don't remember when we talked about it, but I, I was aware of it. And so when scout, he, he did so great with chemo the first round mm-hmm. and he stayed in remission for four months after the protocol ended. So he did really well. He came out of remission in December and we only had like a couple thousand dollars left for pet insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't prepared to, to start um, chemo again. Um, I wanted to give Laverdia a shot and I looked at it as more of a bridge drug to get us mm-hmm. to the, um, his insurance resetting. And it literally lasted right up into there. And then yeah. he, he, it put him into remission and then he came out of remission. Um, and so it was no longer effective, but I, mm-hmm. I just like the idea of having something to help people, you know, just to, cause I know that like, if you start prednisone, and you continue on, there's a point at which the chemo is not going to be as effective. So having that Laverdia in the mix can allow people to take even more time if they need it Yes, and then go to to chemotherapy. I I feel like Rip Van Winkle, when my internet went dead and then I came back and y'all had already moved past my first question. (laughs) I'm going to hang in there and go straight to question number two. Because it's about this. Um, we have a therapy dog that's going through cancer treatment. Um, and then we have the other dog that is just related through the department. Two different types of cancer. I won't even pretend to, to pronounce them. But I wanted to talk about the the treatment regimen and the insurance and the expense. Because what I've been finding out from just listening to people who are going through this. Um, I don't know how do you help someone who doesn't have the pet insurance when their dog has been diagnosed with cancer. And yes, I know that's a generic statement because all cancers, like you said, Kaki, are different. Um, Sounds to me that this treatment is extremely expensive. So if you have a dog that requires Kimberly's regiment, okay, for her dog, but this person does not have dog insurance, um, are there satisfactory alternatives out there that you could offer? You know, let's look at a human. A human is diagnosed with some rare form of cancer, even without insurance, that human is going to get treated. Right. But I don't think that that's the same in the the um, the pet insurance world. Um, so what happens in that regard? Well, and let's be clear, not all pet insurances are going to help. So exactly. 
Exactly. If you're, if you're thinking, we do have a lot of clients who get uh, sort of casualty pet insurance for, you know, my dog, you know, was running in the dog park and had a horrible accident with another dog and ended up, you know, with a massively broken leg that requires pins and plates and screws and we can't afford it. That's $5,000, $8,000 and you know, so they get insurance that covers just the basics. You have to look very closely at the insurance policies and see what the insurance policies will cover. Um, you have to look at the age that you implement them on your pet. Mm -hmm. um, and because if you're implementing something later in your pet's life, there's a whole bunch of pre-existing conditions they won't cover. Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever had any type of, of cancer in the pet, they're not going to cover it. So getting, looking carefully at the policies when they're puppies is the best thing to do, unless you are independently wealthy and have a disposable income, look very carefully and make sure that if that's something you know, you would pursue in your head, because we have clients who say, absolutely not. I'm never putting my dog through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they won't, they won't treat and that's their choice that's where they've come in their mind. I'm not treating, I'm not, I draw the line. I'm not treating for cancer. Um, if that's not something you would ever pursue, then you would not, you know, obviously worry about picking a policy with it. If you get a puppy and you're like, I'm doing anything and everything for this puppy that I could ever imagine, make sure your policy is comprehensive. And then they typically cover it. Um, we even have had success with, it was Embrace was the insurance company that, does um, that who you have? Yeah, Kimberly? I love them. That uh, did for a client of ours that we sent the dog to the oncologist and there happened to be an experimental drug and Embrace covered the experimental drug, which did in fact save the dog's life. So Embrace embraced it. Embrace. But let's just say though that I want to do everything I can for my dog. Okay. I'm not drawing the line, but I don't have the insurance. Now what happens? So um, what happens is you talk about what, what the, you talk about what the financial costs are going to be. So you get the diagnosis from your general practitioner. You say, I want, I want more information. You give them more information. I want the referral. You go for the referral and you meet with your oncologist. At that point, your oncologist is trying to formulate a plan. What's it, you know, what's it going to take? How far out? What type of cancer are we treating? And at that point, you have to really become not only an advocate for your pet's health, but you have to be very clear with your doctor about um, what, what kind of budget you have. And if they say, we anticipate this course of treatment is going to take, um, you know, a minimum of six months on all of these different drugs. You say, please provide me, provide me that treatment plan, provide me what I'm looking at all in. So I'm not getting nickel and dime throughout, but I can look at what I'm going all in if I'm committing to this. And if it's $10,000, you say, okay, $10,000, how do I get there? Um, there are actually, you would ask for canine cancer, um, associations that give help 
to clients whose pets good have been diagnosed. Know. Good to know. They're, they're out there. So ask for those resources um, and then ask what kind of payment plans they offer because any reputable referral center is going to offer you plans, typically something like care credit, which is also used on the human side. So it is a credit card, but it's strictly devoted for healthcare. And it makes you, I mean, you have the ability then if you don't have $10,000 extra sitting around to pay over time, I need money here, money here, money here, money here. And um, so usually that combined with assistance from a canine cancer fund um, will will get you there. Our hospital has an angel fund. So we help through our angel fund, put money back in um, to clients' accounts if they are struggling financially. Um, you just have to ask for the resources. I can tell you, and I don't mean to sound, I certainly don't mean to sound stingy, um, if you do a lot of advertising in the veterinary field about discounted or free services, that tends to be the only thing people hear. And, you know, we are for, we are for profit. We run a for-profit clinic. We employ 40 people. They depend on clients, you know, coming into the business, paying their bills so that they can get paid. So we it's on our website that we have an angel fund. And if they're interested, they can ask about it, but it's not something that is, you know, plastered all over the place. So be an advocate, not only for your pet, but for yourself, ask the questions. Mm -hmm. What do you offer? What resources do you have where I can, you know, go and get some help, get some grants, you know, get a credit card, do something like that. Because the end result is if you don't have any help and you can't afford it, you're not going to get the treatment and prednisone is going to be the choice. Yeah. yeah I think happen. one thing that I've learned going through this is to really think about what I submit to my insurance company. Mm -hmm. So if this, if there is a treatment that I can afford out of pocket, then I pay for it out of pocket. And I leave my insurance to cover the big ticket items. So there, and there's also, you know, I've learned, you know, they'll, we, I, we were prescribed probably five or six different prescription meds in the beginning, and we didn't use any of them um, until probably most this past month, May was the first time, you know, so over a year in that we used um, Serenia. I mean, he yeah. got Serenia okay. after one of the, after one of the, right. cause he was on the CHOP protocol. So I can't remember right. which one, but on one of them, Serenia was part of it, but it sort of just took care of the nausea. But in mm -hmm. last month, the nausea lasted. So I um, am using those drugs now, but the other ones right. weren't. So that's another thing for people to think about is, I mean, I know you're, you're in shock and you're, you're just doing everything, but yeah, ask for a quote, look at what's yes. in there and see what do you have to have. Right. Um, I mean, and ask, and if you are given prescriptions, um, you know, there are some that are pet specific. So Serenia is, is, is pet specific and you, you can't get a generic for that. Um, but if you can't do Serenia, if you, because Serenia is expensive, um, 
ask for Ondansetron. I mean, you know, which is cheap and you can get at Walmart. I mean, I, you just have to ask and, and you'll see it. I mean, you know, you'll see it when your, your vet responds to you and just say, what are the alternatives? Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, maybe I can't do the, the, the gold package of, you know, oral medications. I mean, do you have something that still does the job, but isn't going to cost me an arm and a leg and I can get at the local pharmacy? Uh, We do it all the time. Yeah, We'll say this is our preferred drug, but there are other anti-emetics on the market. Mm -hmm. So try the cheap one. If it doesn't work, go with our first choice because it works better. So I have a funny story. Um, I went after Scout um, was sick last month. Uh, I, I called them and I was like, yeah, can you add tack on Serenia? I need a new, um, a, what is it? Refill, a refill of Serenia. And, um, I got it. It's like $85, um, for the packet that I got. And so I'm running which is, around yesterday. Which is four tablets, right? Yeah. 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 Well, with mine, yeah, it's four tablets, but luckily he only has to have half of one. So it does last, but yeah. And, um, it's shocking. Yes. But so I'm walking around cause it's like, okay, this is the week of his chemo that he gets Serenia. And so I'm ready to be prepared for it. And I had one half of a tablet left. So I gave that to him this morning, but last night I'm walking around the house looking for my refill. Where did I put it? What did I do with it? And I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm looking at Johan and I'm like, this is $85. I mean, I can call them up and say, Hey, I lost it. I needed to get another packet. I'll pay for it, but it's $85 and we're going to find this. And right. so he got me rubber gloves and I went out to the trash and started digging through the trash. Cause it's like, obviously I threw it away at, by accident. Thankfully it was in the recycling, but sure enough in the bag, you thrown away the, the whole bed, packet right on top. I opened the recycling bin, opened a bag and there was my, and I came in the house and showed it to Johan. And we were just like, Oh my gosh, oh. I was about to throw away $85 yep. of drugs. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we, we touched on the, the financial burden and responsibility that comes with any kind of a diagnosis, whether it's cancer and Kimberly, you and I certainly talked about picking and choosing what we charge on our insurance. Um, Before you came on, Kaki, I was telling Kimberly about um, Harley, my oldest, and how I want to start looking into acupuncture for the back, hips, Mm -hmm. and legs. And I think we talked about that when you were in my office too. Um, So I have no idea what acupuncture costs, but if it's certainly if it's something that is financially doable out of pocket, Mm -hmm. um, I will do that just to preserve the insurance and acupuncture is, is fabulous. And uh, you will likely see some great results with it. I have done it on um, one of mine before, and it is, I think a wonderful addition. I do believe in the marriage of the two Eastern and Western medicine. Um, I don't, I, one size does not fit all, but I don't even know if insurance, you know, covers. It does. Well, I shouldn't say all insurance, but like, you know, the, the, I, I, and (laughs) I hate to say this, I was going to go the good companies, you know, but two companies, I, cause I have one dog that's on Trupanion because that's where Mm -hmm. I started. And -hmm. then a few years ago, I moved three of my dogs over to embrace because Mm -hmm. um, it's like over the years when, when I discovered Trupanion, Rodrigo was very young still 
And Trupanu was one of the few companies that covered alternative medicine. And actually you got it as a writer. Um, but today, uh, a lot of companies, you know, I'm hearing from my followers that, yeah, there are a lot of companies out there that cover alternative medicine. It's not a writer. It's just part of the medicine. Um, where I live and with my veterinarian, she charges $120 per session. session. And then we start once a week. And yep. so, you know, that's going to be $480 a month out of pocket, unless yep. you want to run it through the insurance. But I decided to just go ahead and pay it out of pocket. And now we're going to go to every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, it falls under, um, for my plan with Nationwide, it falls under the wellness packet. So really? it is covered. Yeah. And um, so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, yeah. Kimberly and I danced years ago back and forth um, through many, many songs about the value of not only pet insurance, but also of finding a veterinarian service provided both. You know, people call it um, alternative and conventional. And like I needed a probiotic and I wanted a natural one for Harley's stomach, Kimberly. So they laugh at me because my thing is I'm calling for some hippie medicine. And that's their cue to know that I'm talking about some, the alternative to conventional. What are you showing me? This is the supplement that I give to my dogs. I can't read. Okay. Now I can see it. It's called called full bucket actually. Even though it says daily dog is on top, but it's full bucket canine daily dog. Um, But this is what I give to my dogs. But it's, it's interesting because I'm actually reading up on um, probiotics right now and there's just so much information out there and the supplement there industry is. is so completely unregulated. It is totally and unregulated. So I get, I get people, I get emails from these companies and people who started a website where they're just selling, you know um, I think, what is it called? I don't know if it's called white labeling or something where like ferments, I can have my own line of supplements, but it's someone else that's making it. And I'm just putting my logo on it. Um, I'm seeing that for supplements. I'm seeing that for CBD oil and it's one of those where I, you know, they, over the years have learned to ask questions, to read ingredients to, and so much of it that comes across, I would not get, I mean, I wouldn't take it myself. It's like, no, this, there's nothing in this supplement. Like I, someone sent me a supplement. They wanted me to review it. That was for, uh, you know, omega-3 fatty acids is great for skin and coat health. And I'm reading the ingredients and it's like the, the, portion that's supposed to be like for the omega-3 fatty acids. It's just like this little drop, right? You're better off just giving your dog canned sardines than this supplement. But so many people don't know that, don't understand that. And I'm, I'm grateful to talk to you today because I think it's so important for us to, I think with social media, we have created a divide between pet parents and veterinarians where there is this belief that we can't trust our veterinarians and they're only in it for the money and they're going to have us, you know, feeding hills. And, you know, and it's just sort of like, I I'm friends with my veterinarian and I know that I would not trade places with her (laughs) for anything. You know, she works so so hard. I said the industry has changed a lot in 40 years. We've gone from, you know, the person that you can talk to about everything to, in some cases, sadly, all you want is my money. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really not that it's that 
we also want to make a living and you know we've been made out to be i think villains by chewy and 1-800 pet meds and you know any large online retailer who buys in bulk and makes you know 50 cents per prescription but they're selling to all of america they can make 50 cents per prescription yeah we're just selling to listen anybody that will express anal glands on my dog is not getting the money okay i'm just gonna put it out they are not this is this is a passion and an advocation yep so i I'm okay trusting trusting my vet. So, Kathy, thank you so much. Asking the questions. So, yes, I do have one more question, and it's only because someone sent this to me, and I just think it's important. Um, But I had someone who recently had a a cancer diagnosis. I love this. She's a new follower. I love her because whenever she asks me a question, she prefaces it with, "Kimberly, is your cancer dog still alive?" And it's just like, yes, oh, very, very, very to the point, <laughs> just very to the point. And, to the point. and I know it's funny because I, I respect it because when you're dealing with cancer, you suddenly stop being so flowery. You just want to get the information, yeah. Yeah. but she wanted to know she has her dogs. I don't know if her dog is on. I think her dog is on Laverdia and she asked, and this is, you know, for any type of cancer treatment, can I still hug my dog? Can I still pet my dog? Can I, you know, just basically is her dog just walking around toxic drum of chemicals? Okay, that's a really good question. And it does depend on, yes, you can hug your dog. Um, what we typically tell clients when they have their dogs on oral uh, chemotherapy is that you need to stay away from the dog's, uh, the dog's waste. So urine um, and feces, you should stay away from both of those. And we typically will give you a starter supply of gloves if you need them for picking up stool or, you know, doing anything like that. Um, and the the kissing, the saliva mm-hmm. from the mouth, you need to avoid that. Um, but that's only while they're undergoing treatment. That's not forever. So it's just like anything else. You have to look at it as a it's a temporary um, sacrifice that you're making, mm-hmm. but you're, you're still moving in the right direction of, of treating your dog. So yes, hugging totally fine. Um, but it's the saliva, the urine, the feces, those you need to not come in contact with. Okay. And you shouldn't come in contact with the oral medication that yeah, should be they get, I have a whole bunch of gloves. Yep. Yep. So That's you give, I've actually yeah. gotten really good at delivering the oral medication. Yeah. I, I consider myself a champ with that. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and there are lots of different Laverde is one of them, but there are lots of different types of oral medication that we use in chemotherapy and they're all treated the same way. Like you're giving it, you shouldn't be touching it. You need to be making sure that you're covered when you're giving it and um, and then taking care of yourself afterwards. And some of them will specifically say, if you have multiple pets in your household, if you have children, you know, once your dog goes to the bathroom, clean it up mm-hmm. because that that's the waste product is excreted mm-hmm. usually in the urine, you know, through the stool, you need to get rid of it. So no one else is exposed to it. Yeah. 
So yeah, awesome. that's a Thank that's a good so question much. of hers. And and um, I mean, we used to get that question all the time when we were, you know, treating, um, you know treating hyperthyroid cats, you know, with iodine therapy. And we're like, no, actually you can't hug your cat. You can't, you can't even, you can't even see your cat for the next 10 days because they uh, are radioactive. So no. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, Kaki, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure, sure we're going to ask you to come back. I hope we get a lot more questions and comments. I know. Kimberly grinning. This was my Christmas present to her. I know. I'm off my list now. I got because to nerd I'm, out. I've just been so concerned about, you know, her frustration, not anger, but her frustration in, you know, feeling comfortable and confident that she's been able, she, like she's been heard. And so yes. this has helped her and hopefully a whole lot of other people. Yeah. And so I, I hope you enjoy talking to us as much as we've enjoyed talking and listening to you. Well, I hope that um, I was able to give out some information from the other side. What I would say is advocate for your pet. Yes. Advocate for yourself. Ask the questions. We're never offended when we're being asked. Mm-hmm. We do, I would say, sometimes get offended when we're delivered. This is what I want to do. I did all my own research. And so <laughs> this is this is my plan. And 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 I think anyone in any field who feels like they they know what they're doing is can be slightly offended by that. And and um so, you know, we try to take a step back when that's the way it's delivered, but ask the questions. How do I get more information? Where would you send me? What would you recommend I read? And what are alternatives that we can work into this to this plan? And how do Absolutely. I get help with it? Absolutely. So, I love talking to you, Kimberly. Good luck. I hope everything goes well. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. If you ever have any questions, uh, <laughs> Kathy knows how to get in touch with me. Absolutely. And we'll we'll definitely have you back. Hugs to to Wallace for us. I will will tell Wallace you said hi. I'll see you later. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. So I wanted to add one more thing. um, And I'm just sort of like patting myself on the back for it. But when she said about, you know, advocate for your pet and advocate for yourself um, on Scout's last. a chemo appointment, I asked his vet about going to every other week. I mean, right now we, he goes to the vet every other week because she sends home the oral um, drugs with me mm-hmm. and I give those to him at home. But um, now we're going to basically switch it so that we're only probably only going to be going to the vet maybe once a month. Okay, um, good. And, and I'm really, cause you know, he's doing so well. And with the introduction of chemo or with chemo of acupuncture, and cause he's responding well to that, I feel like we can um, back off on the chemo a little bit and, and we're, and she's, what's nice is that she's willing, let's try and see. Cause the only way we're going to know, cause you know, you're basically throwing stuff at the wall, you know, trying to figure out what's working, what's not working, which is another reason why it's so very important to be open and honest about what you're doing at home. So mm-hmm. my oncologist knows what I'm feeding. She knows what supplements my dogs get, which actually Scout only gets a couple of supplements today compared to last year. And, um, but she knows everything that's going on and I, I give her an update and she, 
she sends me the 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 appointment notes with this is what we talked about this is what his blood work look like and it's really kind of you know fascinating she actually even wanted to prescribe his liver liver values were off and so she wanted to um prescribe a liver supplement and i explained what i already give to him and i just said i usually only give it once a day um several days a week because he's you know my dogs are healthy um but if he has a need for it, I'll follow the directions on the bottle and give it to him twice a day. And so she said, yeah, okay. let's do that. And that's what I loved is she didn't make me buy what she had. I told her what I did while we were talking. She Googled it and she's like, okay, good. And um, I, I followed the instructions and now he got his blood work again and his liver values are perfect. So yes. it's just like, you know, having that conversation. And I know for some people it's hard but, you know, for anyone listening, if you are struggling with your veterinarian, if you don't trust your veterinarian, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I am going to encourage you to really think about where that mistrust is coming from. Was it something that they said or did or failed to do? Mm-hmm. Or have you been, you know, basically because unfortunately the, there are segments of the pet lover community that are very anti-vet. And if you are taking that information in, eventually it will plant a seed and you'll start. Well, I also think that what plays a big part in that is human emotion. Mm -hmm. And if, and you're talking about something that is very valuable to me, which is my, my pet. And if you're giving me information that I don't want to hear, I can transfer that back as making you the bad person. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, you have to step away and let time, not a lot, but let time give you the ability and um, to be able to see and, and re- reevaluate what the person is telling you. But, um, but certainly um, you got to come together for the sake of the, of the pet. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, Harley's waiting for me. Yeah, he is. I saw him walk in the room. Thank you so much for arranging that. That was, that was really amazing. It was fun talking to her. I'm glad you like it. Just, oh, wait till July, girl. Uh, (laughs) All right, my friend, have a good weekend. You as well. Survive the weather. We're getting our thunderstorm in a few hours. So we'll be right there with you. I am. You take care, baby. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye, darling. Bye.